The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic... Gay Marriage from the Inside Out. Meet two diverse couples who will share their journey with us. Thanks, thanks to the Supreme Court's same-sex marriage is now legal in all states. But what does that actually mean for gay people? Gay marriage is not just a political slogan or an opportunity for benefits and legal status. Any kind of marriage is a choice and a challenge. So, we'll talk about gay marriage from the inside out. Meet two very diverse couples, Larry and Corey live in a southern state where same-sex marriage has not been legal. They've been together eight years, but they never before had to confront the question, should we marry? Barbara and Heidi have been together over 30 years. They live in California, took commitment vows in 1993. And by the way, their ceremony was the subject of an Academy Award-nominated documentary. Have two children they birthed and have been legally married under California law since 2008. Each couple has had to face social and family challenges, and each deals with the issues we all face in relationship, issues of caring, cold feet, love, and commitment. Now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Welcome, everybody, to our show. I am so excited about this show. I've really been looking forward to it because it's a real inside-out view of gay marriage. You know, most of the things you read about is the celebrations and the struggle and the legal arguments and all of that kind of stuff. But what does it really feel to the people involved? You know, that's what we really want to get into today. And before we get into the news, because, you know, we always do the news first, um, before we get into the news, I'd like to just mention something that homosexuality in and of itself was illegal in many places and probably still is, uh, but in the U.S., until 2003, um, when the United States, I'm talking about in the U.S., actually passed a law which said that you cannot make sodomy illegal. So, except there's some issues going on with the, uh, with the military. So, that will show you that even as recently as 2003, there were legal issues in many places around just being gay, especially male homosexuality. So, there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of experience that people have had about why they have had to hide. And so, and in some places, it's homosexuality is not exactly embraced. So... We have a lot to talk about, but first, we have James with the news. Yes, news of the inner revolution. A 15-year-old climate activist has just spoken to the UN General Assembly. On June 29th, 15-year-old Zutzekatl... Don't even bother, James. Yeah, really, uh, right. Zutzekatl... <laughs> 
Roski Martinez stood before the United <laughs> Nations General Assembly and spoke earnestly and boldly about the urgency of climate change, urging them to take action immediately. What's at stake right now, he says, is the existence of my generation. In the last 20 years of negotiations, almost no agreements have been made on a bonding climate recovery plan. This was his third time addressing the UN and one of many of his public efforts to raise awareness and inspire action around climate change, which he refers to in his speech as the defining issue of our time and a human rights issue. His work in this realm began when he was just six years old, when he made his first speech on the topic. What do you think of that, Beth? Well, I think that is darned revolutionary. <laughs> I mean, I would love to know more about his background. Like, how is it that he came to this? And why did he start? You know, what motivated to him to stand up and speak at six-year-old? But I think what's so fascinating about that is what you brought up, James, which is that we really need to be looking at the whole issue of age differently. So, uh, there is more because James has another issue about age. That's right. First, I just want to say, I believe we have here a message for children and for their parents that children, too, can get involved as interrevolutionaries for things that are important. Okay, now, we now have a new study that was reported on BBC News on July the 7th that indicates that we need to question our assumptions about aging. This came from Bob, one of our listeners. A study of people born within a year of each other has uncovered a huge gulf in the speed at which their bodies age. The report in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences followed 954 people from the same town in New Zealand who were all born in the 1972-73 period. The analysis showed that at age of 38, the people's biological ages ranged from the late 20s to those who were nearly 60. Professor Moffat of Duke University told the BBC, any area of life where we are currently using chronological age is faulty. If we knew more about biological age, we could be more fair and egalitarian. She argued the retirement age may be unfair for those working at their peak who then had to retire. Yeah, like me. Yeah, me. and me. Yeah, and me. yeah. <laughs> You're not, we're not over the hill. Well, I think this is very interesting because these two articles – Juxtaposed. I mean, not only am I thrilled that there's, you know, a 15-year-old addressing the UN about uh, climate change, because after it is all, it is that generation that's going to have to inherit this mess. But just the idea that we're beginning to look at age differently is kind of an inner revolutionary thing. Now, for those of you who've been listening to our show, you know that we focus on what we call the inner revolution is about becoming more into oneness and seeing ourselves as one, becoming more accountable for our behavior and the impact it has on others, and also starting to become more mutually supportive, realizing we need to support the whole and the whole needs to support us. So why is age, looking at age differently, part of the inner revolution? Well, it's throwing out these antiquated ideas about everybody is the same. Now, hey, it's weird because I'm saying we're into oneness. But what I'm talking about is that we all have qualities that have value. And uh, we just had a show on, I mean, a piece of news on recently where we talked about how these um, kids uh, in nursery schools were being brought together with the elderly and, and the impact that it had on each other. You know, we have a tendency 
to not see past labels. And the inner revolution is we're really seeing past labels, whether the labels are about homosexuality, about race, or about age. So I love that we, we have this little snippet of news about age on the same program that we're going to be addressing the issue of homosexuality, because it's time for us to get beyond labels and start looking at people. Take it away, James. Yes, our next uh, item, reported in the New York Times just recently by uh, a couple of reporters. In fiery speeches, Pope Francis excoriates global capitalism. He made a speech in uh, Paraguay recently, and his speeches in native Latin America uh, have involved Francis defining the economic challenge of this era as the failure of global capitalism to create fairness, equity, and dignified livelihoods for the poor. Francis's increasingly sharp critiques come as much of humanity has never been so wealthy or well-fed, yet rising inequality and repeated financial crises have unsettled voters, policymakers, and economists. Left-wing populism is surging in countries immersed in economic turmoil, such as Spain and most notably Greece. But even in the United States, where the economy has rebounded, widespread concern over inequality and corporate power are propelling the rise of liberals, like Senator uh, Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. Francis acknowledged that he had no new recipe to quickly change the world. Instead, he spoke about a process of change, undertaken at the grassroots level as what is needed. He says, you, the lowly, the exploited, the poor, and the underprivileged can do and are doing a lot. I would even say that the future of humanity is in great measure in your hands. See, I love that too. That's so interrevolutionary. We have these labels, these slogans like, oh, you're a pansy, or you're gay, or you're a dyke, or this is horrible, denigrating language that we've used against gay people. But we have also used horrible denigrating language against people who have different political opinions. And it used to be that communist or socialist was a dirty word. And I mean, so bad that you could actually be imprisoned in the 50s for being a communist or being accused of being a socialist was enough to get you in major trouble. So instead of really looking at what people were saying, people were labeled. See, and when we're just in this mindless, oh, yeah, boss, whatever you say, you know, socialists are bad. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's like people aren't thinking anymore. They're not really taking a look at uh, what's real. And, and what is also cool about what the Pope said is that he doesn't have an easy answer. And he's saying that the people on the bottom really have some answers. It's, again, instead of looking at people on the bottom as just like, oh, these poor people who have to be saved or that there's something wrong with them, saying, oh, they also have perception. They have gifts. They have an awareness of what's going on that needs to be brought into the mix. So I love that story. And link this with the next one. Yes. Uh, and, and the Pope is really riding the wave here. Polls show that Americans are increasingly leaning left. In recent polls, only 52% of Americans react favorably to the word capitalism, once an unquestioned sacred cow. Among 18 to 30-year-olds, more supported socialism than capitalism, 49 to 46%. Support for socialism is dramatically higher among women, blacks, and people who make less than 30000 a year. This is all according to the Pew Research Center. Bernie Sanders, a candidate for the Democratic nomination for president in 2016, is a self-described Democratic socialist 
along the lines of the Scandinavian countries. So does this mean that people are starting to think? <laughs> looks that way. It looks like I, people I are questioning it. their assumptions. Yeah, people are questioning. I'm not saying that the Scandinavian model is the right model. I don't have any answers. I'm not any smarter than the Pope. But I do know that there's something really wrong with the system, the social economic system we have. And I love the fact that younger people are liberating themselves from these old slogans, just like younger people tend to be more tolerant uh, in terms of racism, in terms of sexuality, in so many other ways. There is hope for our planet yet. And I better shut up because we have four guests, but I think you have one more news item, which I hope will blow people's minds. Yeah, this is very brief. This is from Chris, another one of our listeners. Uh, On National Public Radio, this is a sad story with an interrevolutionary flavor. ISIS has abducted Yazidi women and brutally used them for sex slaves. Yazidi society allows women to be stoned for sexual issues. However, the Yazidi elders have changed their tune and are telling their people to welcome the women back to their families. The community is suffering unbelievable horror and in the face of it are opening their hearts and letting go of old hierarchical beliefs. Now that story makes me want to cry. You know, isn't there hope? You know, there is so much. I get so angry with hierarchy, but hierarchy hurts everybody. It hurts not only the people who are at the bottom, but it hurts people on the top because it makes us absolutely unable to feel our oneness with one another to to really do the right thing. And it's that's a very, very touching story that out of this horror, and that's the way it sometimes is we have to go through awful things for us to get shaken up in traditions that are hurting everyone. So with no further ado, I would like to introduce our guests who have gone through plenty in a society that uh, was had many, many rigid social ideas. And I'd love to introduce you to these people. And, and I want you to hear about their inner struggle, their victories, their conflicts, their fear. You know what I mean? Because we are all one, right? You know. We all have these things. And first, I'd like to introduce you to Heidi and Deborah, who were the, um, uh, the subject of this documentary. I watched their documentary. It was about their commitment ceremony. I guess it was back in 93. And um, it was a Jewish commitment ceremony. And what they went through, you know, on the inside and, and the struggles that Heidi's mother went through. And this was so beautiful. I just want to share this with you because you guys aren't on the listeners aren't going to see this video, but you can look for it. What was so beautiful was that Heidi's mother, who was very, very nervous about her daughter's, you know, being a lesbian and the world knowing about it. She went to that commitment ceremony and she saw the love between Heidi and Deborah and she was transformed. I don't know if it stuck, but in that moment, she remembered what's important, which is the love, which is what we all share. So uh, Heidi and Deborah, as James has already told you, have been together for a long time, over 30 years. They have two kids. They've been married since it's been legal in California. Welcome, 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 Heidi and Deborah, to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Well, you know, before we go on and introduce Larry and Corey, uh, we have just a couple of minutes before our first commercial break, and I'd like to ask you, how did you feel 
when your video went out on YouTube <laughs> for the world to see? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that, I mean, we're Facebook friends with the director, at the director of the documentary, and she didn't, um, we didn't know she was going to put it on YouTube until <laughs> we saw it in our news feed. So that's how we found out. It was a little shocking because it's kind of been a long time and, and you know, not really out there in the public for a very long time. Um, so um, it was kind of like, okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I, I messaged her and said, you put the documentary on YouTube, huh? Okay. Um, so that's kind of how it was. And we put it on our Facebook uh, page for theinnerrevolution.org. And people have been giving it the thumbs up and loving it. So what is, the, if you could use one word to describe the difference between 1993 and 2015 for you, what would it be? One word. Um, I don't know. This is Heidi. This is the first word that comes to mind, and I don't know if it really answers your question, but relaxed. Oh. De- uh, Deborah, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I would say um, I would say um, yeah. I mean, there's just the burden is lifted. You know, it's not. It's just. It's just so part of everyday life now, and there isn't so much trepidation and fear and discomfort, and um, it's just really. It's just lifted. It's it's amazing. It's amazing the difference. Uh, you know, I just feel that in my heart as you talk about it. Would the word liberated uh, match at all? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Liberated I mean, from the yoke of that oppression, that yeah. fear. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it was a lot of oppression, and I think that you kind of, you know, um, disassociate in some ways from that oppression because you have to live and you want to enjoy your life. And so, um, so... You know, it wasn't really until uh, until the day when this, you know, when marriage became legal for everyone in this country um, that I really got in touch with how oppressive it had really felt for so long. Oh, wow. Yeah. There, both of us, that entire day, would, without even really knowing it was going to happen, would just, you know, burst into tears and laugh and I mean it was just such a, a an emotional day it really was I mean I, I was so surprised by that and we really got it first thing in the morning one of our cousins texted us and said hey did you hear the news and we were actually out for a walk and it was like wow wow and this is and this is even though in California it had been legal since 2008 when you guys got married we're going no, to take Okay, go ahead. It was not. Oh, please correct me. I, you know, I just read the news. Let, uh, we will be back in a minute. Okay. Uh, and we're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come back, and you correct me, and then we'll introduce our second couple, Larry and Corey. So stick around. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's BethGreen.org. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. Today we're talking about gay marriage from the inside out. And before uh, we bring in our next couple, I am going to be corrected. Tell me how. <laughs> I love it. So, so marriage, marriage was legal um, in California for a brief period in 2008. And in that period of time, there were several thousand, I don't remember, I want to say 18,000, but I don't remember exactly, um, gay and lesbian couples that got married. Yeah. And, then, and then it was halted in November. So there was just a small window of time in which marriages were legal, and that's the window of time in which we got married. And it actually felt like a very forced thing because we wanted to get married, and we knew the time was a that there was there was a very short window in which we could do it, and we weren't really ready to to do it legally yet. We wanted to prepare and we wanted to have some time, but we didn't have time. Um, and then it was halted from November 5th, 2008 through June 27th, 2013. So it's only in the last couple of years that it's been actually legal for, for, you know, permanently. Thank you so much for sharing that information. And uh, I love this because this is a perfect lead into our next couple, <laughs> uh, Larry and Corey have been together for eight years, I believe. And um, are they ready now that gay marriage is legal? (laughs) Are they ready? So either one of you just jump in. Well, Beth, uh, that's uh, kind of a personal question, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I know, but you knew why you were coming on this program, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's... As exciting as it is to have, uh, and this is Larry, to have it finally um, have us have equal rights, um, the question whether or not to marry someone is a very personal decision, and it's something we thought about long before the legality was an issue, you know. Well, that's really the question that I'm asking you is, 
How were you impacted by the fact that it suddenly became legal? How did that change the conversation or change how you felt about it? Was it something like, oh, goody, goody? See, it was a relief to Heidi and Deborah. Was it a relief to you? Well, for me, it, it was a, a beautiful and sweet affirmation. But for me, it wasn't a sudden thing. Uh, I've been uh, involved and you know, passionate about this issue for more than a decade. I was in San Francisco in 2004 when the mayor, Gavin Newsom, started marrying couples, legality be damned. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I went down to City Hall and threw glitter at everybody. And um, <laughs> I, I, we have watched... Um, you know, one state after another, slowly, incrementally watched it grow. And it's just mm-hmm. been this amazing battle. Um, and after the, the, the court decision in New York uh, with Edie Windsor last year, um, or a little more than that ago, all of the legal analysis has said this, this will be the nail in the coffin of, of gay marriage being illegal. And when people looked at the Supreme Court and uh, its makeup, I've been reading articles for, I don't know, more than six months saying can, the way those lawyers posed that case, they were aiming it at Judge Justice Kennedy. And, um, and when he finally came through Friday mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, it was exactly as they predicted. And so for those of us who had been waiting with bated breath all this time, it was just like a gentle affirmation that there really is justice in the world. Mm. That's lovely. Um, Corey, how were you impacted? Well, when I, we, Larry and I were in the car when we found out, and yeah, I noticed there was like a thud. <laughs> it was like reality sets in that, oh, there is no more excuses whether I want to get married or not. It's like, okay, it's just an obvious whether I am or not. Yeah. So your first question, I would say it's a really big maybe. <laughs> and it's a very difficult conversation that Larry and I have been having over the last two weeks of really like what's, you know, without asking each other, do you want to marry me? <laughs> We're like, well, what about this? And what about that? So it, it has, there's definitely some fear. There's trepidation. When I was a little kid, you know, I wanted to get married to a man. I knew that by age five or six, playing the dating game with my sisters. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, and then I think over the years, there was a part of me that just had to stuff it so far that it's like, well, you know, it's not that important because you know it's not going to happen legally. Mm-hmm. And then I did have a partner many years ago uh, propose to me, but we broke it off after about six months. And I think, you know, there was a part of me that's like, really, you know, this, this, you know, it's so, it's so scary, I think, for me. Now, was that in a state where uh, same-sex marriage was legal? Not at the time, but we could have gone. Elsewhere? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I'm not it's, sure, but, it, but it, the idea was there. You know, I'd love for you, uh, if you're comfortable with this, to uh, talk a little bit about why it's scary. And then I would like very much... If Deborah and or Heidi would comment 
on what it is that your fears are. Not that we're here to talk even to getting married. <laughs> you know, we're really just here to have an honest exploration. And for people who are listeners, I mean, some of the, our listeners are going to be uh, gays and lesbians who are going to be identifying with everything that you're saying. And some are going to be heterosexuals or bisexuals or who knows what sexuals because <laughs> a lot of people are confused about their sexuality. Um, and it's just helpful to really, for people to get honest and then other people can listen and they can identify. And even when they can't speak themselves or don't feel free, they hear someone else saying something and they say, oh, that's me, I get that. So if you could share a little bit about what you feel the fear is, Corey, do you think it's just the normal fear that everybody has, the cold feet fear about commitment? Do you think there's something special about the fear that you're carrying and um, and then please, uh, Deborah or uh, uh, Heidi, just jump in. Well, I noticed one thing is my parents got divorced early on, and it was the only family in all the families of our relation, you know, and our extended families that did it. And I felt shame for that. Why and did th- you? Why, if I may ask, uh, why did you feel shame about your parents getting divorced? I felt like. They, they didn't. They weren't good enough, or you know, there was a place where they failed. Mm. And wasn't divorce pretty common by that time? No, oh, no, no, no. The my, my mom was the one who wanted to get the divorce, mm-hmm. and the priest and the lawyer both tried to convince her that she was doing the wrong thing, that she should stay with the man. Ah, well, they were they were Catholic. That that is very complicated, isn't it? Yeah, and that was back in the 70s, like 71. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I do realize that when you make, when you do get married, that if you get a divorce, that I have something tied in about shame. Mm-hmm. And that if we're just dating and you break up, there's not that, you know, oh, oh, well, they're with somebody else now. Yeah. And right. so there is a commitment. There's a fear of that commitment. And it just seems like people change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to. Add that I'm a child Please. of divorce as well, and having lived through my parents' divorce, as nice as it would be to be married, I certainly don't want to see myself trapped in a bad marriage. Yeah. But do you have the same kind of issue, like I'm afraid to get married because maybe we might have to get divorced, and that's a shameful thing or a bad thing? <laughs> um, it's not the shame, but it, it also could be a very costly thing. Oh. <laughs> 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 An expensive thing, what were we saying? <laughs> sure. Well, you and can always arrange that, can't you, with a prenuptial agreement of some sort? I guess so. I guess so. So you do have some kind of negative feeling. You think you may have more trepidation about marriage because you are a, the, a child of a divorced family? Yeah, absolutely. Of, co- of course, let me tell you, you can have a lot of trepidation about marriage because your parents didn't get divorced. So... <laughs> <laughs> I get it. De- uh, Deborah, uh, Heidi, uh, which one of you would like to jump in on this? Well, I, I think I could comment when we had our commitment ceremony back in 1992 in terms now, of... Now, is this Heidi? Yes. Okay, thank you. Sure. I, I think if there was any fear for me back then, um, I think it was more related to the fact that that was a pretty bold thing for us to do. Back then, to invite, we had about 200 people who came, and the way we went about inviting family members and 
Um, I was recently out to a lot of my family, and this was the first kind of visual experience that they would have that would say to them, I am committed to this woman, and this is who I am, and this is my life. And so um, I think for me the fear was the fear of just being rejected by them because maybe they weren't going to be okay with that. Uh, But in terms of just fear related to deciding to marry Deborah, I don't know that I ever really had any fears about that. I mean, I think you... She should have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I got over that. But, But, I mean, really, for me, when you ask that question, that's really where I go. And, and, yeah, and, you know, our story is, is somewhat unique in that, you know, we didn't, we weren't in a relationship, you know, with a woman before, both of us, you know, this was very early. We've been together since Heidi was 19 and I was 20. So we didn't have like a financial issue. You know, we built, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any money. (laughs) You know, we didn't. And we, when we had our commitment ceremony, it was very much like a spiritual ceremony. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't legal. Um, But I would say that, you know, what I see now is that, a lot of people, you know, now that marriage is legal, a lot of gay and lesbian couples are asked repeatedly, you know, are you going to get married? Is it, are you going to get married? Are you ready now to get married? And just like straight couples, you know, not everybody is, is into getting married. And it's a very personal decision. And it doesn't mean now that, you know, the ban has been lifted that everyone wants to do that. I think everyone needs to be respected for making their own decision about what's right for their own relationship. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I think that the the reality is for so many of uh, heterosexuals, marriage is not attractive. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, uh, isn't this the irony, you know, that same-sex couples are looking for the right to get married, and uh, so many heterosexual people don't want to get married anymore. Uh, Serial divorces, of course, and there are child custody issues, and there's feelings of, I don't want to be dominated by a man. Uh, You know, there are so many issues that come up. Uh, So I'm so glad that you shared that because it's kind of the irony of the times, isn't it? Mm -hmm. How how unpopular marriage is for some people because some people have been serially married, such as myself and James. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Heidi and I, we used to sit up late in my car and cry that we could never get married and that, you know, we could never have kids. And if we stayed together, these things would be off limits. So for us, it was really about pursuing a dream that we had, you know, yeah. that we wanted and always wanted. And it was never really for us a question. It was really important to us to wear white dresses and marry the person we loved. Well, you're... I, I don't mean this to sound condescending, but you guys looked so cute in that video. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you feel that way. It's really sometimes painful to watch it today, quite frankly. Oh, why, well, could you tell me wh- why it seems painful? I, I'm, I'm teasing in a way, but I mean, we were so young then, and and I just, I mean, that whole process was so important, but it just feels like a lifetime ago. Um yeah. So uh, that's what I think. And we poke fun at our individual idiosyncrasies. And, yeah. You know, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just like anybody on, on a video or on a movie. You're just very, um, you know, 
self-conscious. Yeah, self-conscious. <laughs> well, you know, there is, there, I don't mean to sound judgmental, but I felt like there was a certain awkwardness that you were feeling. And I loved how courageously you went through that Thanks. and did it anyway. That's what came across to me. And, um, you know, it brings us back to the time because you were talking about dancing together in public like that was a woo-woo, you know. Yeah. Uh, kissing, was there going to be a kiss? And um, I think that the uh, general population, there's been so much, uh, it's just become so much more public. Homosexuality has become more public and it doesn't have that feeling. But I remember back in the day, you know, how strange and foreign and very daring that that must have been. So, you yeah, know, when... Even the public was daring. I mean, it yes. was. When people would make comments and, you know, look at you funny. And um, it, was, um, it was very uncomfortable to go out and show any public affection at all. I mean, yes. it's just so... It's so unbelievably different now. You know, you... In the, uh, when I tell people I have a wife... Most of the time, it's just in the course of a conversation. And then I used to sit people down like I was dying of a terminal illness. <laughs> so, you know, it's true. So, it's really, really changed. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. We are going to uh, go to another commercial break. Um, and when we come back, I think I'd like to ask uh, Deborah and Heidi very quickly how it felt to them to get legally married. I, I understand you mentioned that it was forced because it's like you had this window of opportunity. But did you have any other kind of feelings coming up then? And then um, I will go back to uh, Corey and Larry. So stick around. There's lots more on Inside Out. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.bethgreen.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community. The Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're tuned in to Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi, welcome back to Inside Out. And we are talking about gay marriage from the inside out. And uh, we're just uh, right now I'm asking uh, Debbie and Heidi, they, we've been talking a lot about their commitment ceremony in 1993 when same-sex marriage was not yet legally permissible. And um, they got married in 2008 when it was briefly legal. And uh, I just wanted to ask them, did anything new come up for them when they got married? Some new kind of trepidation or anything like that when they got legally married? Yeah, again, this is Heidi. I don't think there were any trepidations or anything like that. I mean, I think we there were two things that really stand out for me. Um, and, and one was that our kids were able to be there to witness our family being legally validated as, for lack of better words, a legitimate family. Yeah. And, and that was really very meaningful. It was a very, very small, intimate group of people, nothing like our commitment ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other piece was that in 1991 or so, we had tried to, um, we were talking about having our commitment ceremony, wanted to have it in our temple. And we went through a process over a year of trying to have it in our temple, and we were eventually denied um, the ability to be able to do that there. And so when we went back and got legally married, we were able to go back to our temple where our kids since then have gone through Hebrew school and have been you know, part of that community, and we were able to be married by the, uh, the Rabbi Cantor that was there. And it was very, very meaningful and really completed that circle for us. Um, and it was very welcoming, and it was just such a different experience. Well, that, but you were married in your commitment ceremony by a rabbi. Yes, correct, but we weren't allowed to do it at a temple. I see, at oh our, my God. At our, our temple, we were told we couldn't have it there. We tried. And oh, our, our oh. rabbi was also uh, forbidden to do it in San Diego County by oh. one of the other rabbis in the oh. temple. Oh. So we were actually married by a rabbi that came from L.A., and um, and we had it at the at a at a like a wedding location in San Diego, which was gorgeous, but it wasn't in a temple, wasn't right. in a synagogue. So yeah. that was um, you know that was a huge growth to be able to do that in a in a in a synagogue. So the world is certainly changing. Uh, so, so uh, Corey. Is there anything that you would like to ask Heidi or Deborah? Because you've talked about some of your feelings coming up. I mean, you shared more openly about that. Um, I'm wondering if there's something you'd like to ask Deborah or Heidi about their experience about being married. Are you, <laughs> are you glad you did it? Are we glad we did it? Yes. Every day. Yeah, every day. I, I'm amazed that, you know, I, I have to say, and I don't, I don't know if this is because of what happened with the Supreme Court or not, but, you know, after being together over 30 years, I, I have like fallen in love all over again with Deborah, and, um, and it's just, it's really very special, and so, you know. Like you said, it's an individual, personal process, but I, I have no regrets. And me too. I mean, it's been incredible. You know, now 
our kids are 16 and 20, and we, um, you know, are starting to live life um, as a, you know, starting to not have kids in the home after we've been so focused on our kids, and we're we're really enjoying, you know, though we love our kids to pieces and so enjoy when that we're with them, we're really getting to know each other again, not through kids, and so it's been <laughs> incredible. Um, but yeah, every day I I am never sorry, and I think I think when you're re- if you're ready and you want to do it, you can never discount the aspect of ritual in your life that marks something that's really important to you, whether it's, you know, a, a, a baby naming or, a, you know, or birthdays or weddings, whatever, whatever it is, ritual in, for us is so important. And all our family came, and when they came, they saw us as a family. And from then on, we were a family. And whether or not they agreed with that or not, it was a public recognition of us being a family for the first time. So it really, um, it was huge. I'm talking about our commitment ceremony. I mean, yeah. the, the legal wedding was, what was you know, really validating also. But just the fact of, like, being married, you know, in public was a, a, just a amazingly impactful ritual for everybody that was there and and for us especially. You know what what really comes to mind as you're talking is how similar it is. I mean, I I know that uh homosexuals have many many issues to deal with that heterosexuals don't have. But being a woman living with a man is not a piece of cake either. Yeah. <laughs> Or vice versa, being a man living with a woman. So we all have our problems. And, uh, you know, as you're talking, you know, what, what I keep feeling is, you know, how different is it on some level for any of us? You know, what are the fears that come up for us as heterosexuals getting married? Um, you know, are they really that different? Uh, yes, there's the issue of, uh, you know, acceptance from the family. But sometimes... I mean, I've had problems with acceptance from my family, and I was heterosexual. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a lot of problems with my family not approving of me or of the person that I chose or the things that I chose to do. And then there were the issues of, um, and I'm, of course, I'm not in any way denying or, or belittling, uh, you know, the, the extra problems. But then the, the fears of getting divorced, uh, Corey, or the... It not working out or feeling stuck or, uh, you know, the financial problems or what does this mean? You know, if I make more money than my spouse does and if I'm married to them a certain number of years, I'm going to owe them alimony. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Is I there... mean, I... So, Go, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just think that we end up so overthinking things sometimes in life, you know, that we overthink ourselves out of things and... Um, and, you know, my, whereas my family and Heidi's family, I think, gave, gave input, we really felt like this was our dream and this was what we wanted. And, um, and it was kind of a metaphor for things later on in our life. You know, whenever anything is hard for me, I think about telling my, fa- my parents that I'm, that I'm a lesbian. You know, and I think to myself, there is nothing harder 
than that day. Like, I can just take myself back there, you know, how hard that was and how difficult that disapproval was from people you love the most to, who brought you into this world. And so, yeah. you know, I think that uh, it's just, you know, it, 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 was, it, it, it was tremendous growth to go through that and, and, and you know, conquer that and go on to conquer other things, you know. But it was, it was always, I mean, our, my sister said to me, you never follow the rules. And I said, well, who makes the rules? Well, I'm so with you. I was involved in an interracial marriage and my parents told my brother to tell me that I was not to be invited to their funeral. So <laughs> yeah. they had a bit of a reaction. So, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm wondering, Corey and Larry, how have you been, have you been impacted by this conversation at all? Are you thinking about things any differently or do you feel the same about it? Just, just an open-ended question. We have just like a minute and a half to go or something like that. Well, I'm thrilled to hear of such a wonderful, successful, decades-long marriage as the one that Deborah and Heidi have. Yeah. And in the face of all um, the societal disapproval, all the legal obstacles, all the continuing legal obstacles we face in employment, in housing, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. And then what I've noticed from this conversation, what's come up for me, is that how many times through the day I might be out at a store and people assume that I have a wife or a girlfriend. And over the years, I've had to, you know, de- determine, am I going to correct them? Yeah. And I realize I'm over that. I'm, of course I'm going to correct them. Yeah. And by getting married, it's like it's going, yes, I'm married to a man. <laughs> you know, so it, I think that's another part of this that I have just, yeah, it's time. Well... To face it. Well, I mean, to at least face it. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Heidi and Deborah are more open. They live in California. Uh, it, it's it, different circumstances make things more challenging or less challenging. But so much of it really comes from the inside out, doesn't it? You know, yeah, what yeah. are we willing to face in order to be who we are? Yeah. So true. <laughs> You gotta, so, you gotta be comfortable with yourself first, and and then move on from there. That's right. You know, be true to yourself. So we'd like to have uh, James uh, talk to us about what's going on next week. Thank you, Beth. Our next edition of Inside Out will not be on Tuesday, but on Thursday of next week, July the twenty third, on the Variety Channel. So please make a note of that. Uh, and our theme will be Discover an Eco-Friendly Resort in a Gorgeous Location Where You Can Make a Difference. Let Earl Cahill inspire you to become more daring about your life. Can you enjoy an eco-friendly resort in Central America, surf, do yoga, and at the same time help a local family, a hope, I'm sorry, a local community realize its dreams, including schools and clean water? Plus know that employees are paid a fair wage and are afforded scholarship opportunities. In other words, be on vacation in a developing nation without feeling guilty. In fact, feel great about it. Meet Earl Cahill, co-owner of El Coco Loco in northern Nicaragua, linked with their nonprofit Waves of Hope. Earl and his friends were students in Canada when they felt inspired by a vision of working and living in a community where they could make a real difference, as well as afford their family and guests a unique opportunity. 
hear their story and share in their challenges. Learn more about their resort and discover the many opportunities it offers for relaxation, service, and or just plain fun. Plus, be inspired. Many dream of doing something outside the box, but few do it. Let Earl inspire you to take your next step. So join us next week. And now, a final word from Beth. Well, it looks like it's a world away, but uh, isn't that interesting that the Earl Cahill show is really about <laughs> fulfilling a dream of yours that looks absolutely impossible? And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to moving to the Variety Channel next Thursday. So please don't lose us. If you're fans of Inside Out, you can still find us on the Variety Channel next Thursday, not this coming Thursday in two days, next Thursday, the whatever date that is, July 23rd, same time, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific. And I know when I, when I wrote this e-card, James said, guilty? I never felt guilty about going on vacation in the third world. Well, I did. I couldn't stand it. I thought I was just going to die looking at the poverty. This is a beautiful story and very inspiring. I want to thank our guests. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming on and sharing your story with us. Until next week. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out, Voice of the Inner Revolution with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Think outside the box and have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.